Hey, hey, it's Leanne, and welcome to another episode of Moneda Moves, where we talk Latinos, money, and our role in the American economy. Today, we are talking about the Mexican Beverly Hills. It's what most recently has been called the city of Downey, a city in California with nearly twice as many Hispanic residents than any other race or ethnicity. Here, residents are also higher earning than other neighborhoods in L.A. with a similar ethnic makeup. Desde hace años una ciudad en California se ha dado a conocer como el Beverly Hills de los mexicanos por sus lujosas casas, exitosos residentes y reconocidas empresas. Así Todo suena es. así como espectacular. Ay, oh, I made it. Like I made it to the Mexican Beverly Hills. I made it to Downey and and that's a real goal that people have. In his piece for the New York Times, author Eric Galindo writes that moving to and growing in a place like Downey, quote, shows that Latinos can live a life of relative wealth and influence in the U.S. without having to give up ties to their respective and diverse Latin American cultures. But it also exemplifies a distinctly American idea, the possibility of upward mobility across generations. Today, we speak with Galindo about what a place like a Mexican Beverly Hills means for Latinos, building generational wealth, and how Downey challenged his relationship with money. No te lo quieres perder. The Mexican Beverly Hills. So for people who've never heard of that term, what does that mean? It's a term that's meant to sort of describe a place that's a little bougie, but also like very Latinx. Um, I think that that what it's come to mean for many people in in Southeast Los Angeles, where I grew up, it's kind of like a aspirational. In a in and it's. And it's funny because it's like I've always hated the term Mexican Beverly Hills. I cringe when people used it. But as like I saw the way people in the community here came together during the pandemic, I started kind of thinking about it in a new way. And it's in a sense of like, I kind of understand why people needed that term, you know, because they want a nice neighborhood with good schools but also hang on to their uh, Latino heritage. And I think that's really what it's about because of course there's Mexicans in Beverly Hills. Of course there's Latinos that live in Beverly Hills. You know, there's all kinds of people live in Beverly Hills, but the differences in Beverly Hills is like, Beverly Hills is, is very, a place where people hide their wealth. Like they, they're, it's a very secluded place. People don't really interact with each other in many ways, like especially when you think about like the TV version of Beverly Hills, which is like these big mansions on these hilly roads. But in in Downey, it's more about um, like community. It's more about like being able to flaunt your like like they got mansions here with like the Virgen de Guadalupe on the front, you know, like stuff like that. And and it's like, it goes back to this idea of what is America and what is Latinidad and also like 
I, I, I think it's a lot about like a town that sort of erases the idea of what is assimilation and like, do you have to, in America, do you have to assimilate to succeed? And I feel like assimilate is a word that's used to, um, that's used almost to erase like the, the, a lot of cultures. And I think that here in Downey, people have fought hard to hang on to their heritage and to be proud of it. And so I think that that's where that term, that term has evolved into. And, and honestly, it's a term that goes back to like the eighties is in my research, I found like in talking to people that have lived here forever or have lived in the area forever, like the eighties is the, the first time I could hear, I found evidence of anybody using it. I hope that I hope that answers that question. It's like really complicated. It is complicated. And and I appreciate that you walk us through those layers because even in your article you express that that term is is very controversial. It's not necessarily a good thing and and I think what it elicits in some of the readers is that oh this is wealth uh, as seen through through the white lens. Mm-hmm. It, but but I like how you kind of turn that on its head and reclaim it and say, well what if we say that this is this is taking back what could be erased otherwise. And is that how you see it? Did I understand that correctly? Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's how the people here see it. And like, to me, that's like, it's always very important to understand other people's uh, views of it. Because I think, yeah, 100%, the reason I hate the term Mexican Beverly Hills is because it is super like, taking Latino success and running it through a white lens to try to explain it to white people. And that's really what it, what it is, you know, but the people here have like taken it back, you know, and they use it to be like, oh shit, you made it. You're, you're, you've, you've done it. Like, and I think that that's interesting to me, right. That a term that was like design I mean, basically, I think to explain neighborhoods like Downey to white people, it's not just the Mexican Beverly Hills, there's the Black Beverly Hills here in LA too, which is, you know, a a neighborhood in LA that has a lot of affluent Black folks living in it, right? But those terms are always like, well, this is how we explain it to the rest of America or whatever, you know what I mean? The, the fact that we've been able to take it back, it's a, it's a matter of pride almost. Like, Talk to me about what this wealth looks like today. You speak about there being big Latino-owned restaurants. There's generations of wealth. There's families that own homes for generation after generation. And you cite your your family as as being one of these families that could live there for generations. You you said your family moved there in the, in the 90s. So two questions. How does wealth look like today in Downey? And talk to me about how your fam, when your family got there, and kind of the, the kind of future that your family saw um, when transitioning from your former neighborhood in, I believe, East LA to to Downey. Well, yeah, I think Downey. I mean, what you see in Downey is like beautiful yards. You know, you see. Um, very large, um, they, they call them Mex, Mex mansions, um, the little Mexi mansions, you know, they're, they have. I had no idea that that was a term. I'm going to yeah. write that down, Mexi mansion. Yeah. yeah, they got the Mexi mansions here. And they're like, some of them look like they were designed by like 
Pablo Escobar's decorator, you know, or architect or whatever. But but a lot of them are like very nice, classy homes. There's also just kind of like ordinary suburban, like middle class homes that look nice and there's big yards. There's a lot of people driving fancy cars. There's a lot of Tesla charging stations. There's also a lot of people who like Downey is one of those places where people are very open about their success. But I think ultimately what it looks like is like, and what matters to a lot of people here is the school systems. And they have one of the safest schools in LA constantly ranked in the, in, you know, the high, like getting high marks on their education level. And I think that that's what real, what wealth really buys you in, in, in America. There's like a good education, a chance for your children to have opportunities that other people don't. Is that what your family then saw when they were moving over to Downey? What were their kind of priorities in moving there? And how has that kind of changed from a money perspective? Growing up in Southeast Los Angeles in the 90s was a little bit rough. Like there was a lot of gang wars. Um, the gangs hadn't become as organized as they are now, where it's like... Um, they're like organized crime. Back then it was a lot of street stuff. It was like Bloods and Crips World Wars with the Mexican gangs. Um, all my cousins were in gangs. Like, like there was just a lot of danger basically. And also, so my parents had um, more kids, you know, they were younger and they also had uh, accumulated enough wealth for a down payment, right? Cause like prior to 1986, both my parents were undocumented um, and they were forced to work low paying jobs and sort of constantly be in fear of being de deported. Um, it, you know, Ronald Reagan signed the amnesty bill and my parents were able to get green cards and my dad was able to get a really good job, um, you know, he working as a foreman at a warehouse. When all that sort of coalesced together, they were like, well, we, we have an opportunity to buy property. And they did look around. And the reason they chose Downey was because my dad's boss, mm -hmm. his mom lived in Downey. And so he had grown up in Downey and he just kind of told my dad all about how Downey was this great place. My dad's boss was actually the son of Greek immigrants. So it was like this. And at the time, Downey was like very, like had this reputation of like being a place where immigrants can come and buy a house and be safe and all that. So and, and, and I think it's important to know uh, LA has one of the highest rates of home ownership for Latinos. So this, this is definitely not an uncommon goal and a very desirable goal. Yeah, very desirable. It was like how you prove that you've made it in America, you know, mm -hmm. it was like you buy a home, you, you know, you have kids, you have a dog, like all that shit, like you saw in movies and stuff, they really were, you know, that's what they were about. And my dad was always super proud to be in America. I mean, he still is like, you know, he's one of the most, he's a very proud U.S. citizen, all that stuff, you know, and 
so when we came to Downey, it was about that. And but then my parents hung on to this dream, you know, they fought hard and they, you know, my dad's company got bigger. And then and all of a sudden there's three generations of of Galindos in this one house. And what wound up happening was we sort of going to college, getting better jobs. It takes a huge, huge, huge stress off of the younger generations to know that, you know, they, they, they will have a home if they, you know, in the future, like stuff like that. So I think that that's what it looks like for us now is just knowing that we're here together and that um, like our parents fighting through that and doing it for us was really something that we admire now and like that we look up to and we hope to pass on to their grandkids. I am curious um, in terms of your understanding of money from like a more like psychological perspective, the way that you saw it before moving to Downey and now generations um, of of Galindos being in Downey, how has Mm. that understanding of money shifted? Um, what, What does it mean for not just you, but the way you see it, the generations that come after you within your family? Yeah, I think when I was younger, I saw money as like, um, almost like something cool, you know? And as it evolved was like, money represented freedom. And when I think about that, I realized how oppressive being poor, not having money must be, you know, that like freedom is, is equated with like wealth. But I think that that's what it is to me. Like when I see it, it's like, when I think about my family protecting its wealth, I think about the kids, you know, I think about them having a freedom, you know, I think about what they deserve and what they don't deserve and what they don't deserve is to grow up like, you know, poor and afraid that they're not going to have the same education, the same access to medicine. And it certainly sounds like the Mexican Beverly Hills and, and wealth in LA, as I'm sure is the case in a lot of parts of this country, wealth represents mobility, wealth represents hope as it did for your dad, wealth represents the American dream. Um, I think it is important to take a look at the inverse of that. If Downey is the Mexican Beverly Hills, what makes all the other Mexican or Latino areas in LA that don't have that level of wealth at the very least? Yeah, it's, man, I, I love LA so much. Like I love every corner of it. I, I, I especially love the neighborhoods that get like this, that get this bad rap, you know, like I love East LA, I love Boyle Heights. I love South Central. Um, I recognize the, the struggles, you know, but I, I also feel like for the longest time, the only images coming from those places in the media or in TV or in film is struggle. And so when we think about those towns, we, we think about them, that that's the first thing that comes to mind. 
and I think that that's unfair because I think that I when I think about my my life before Downey like I loved growing up in the hood like it was beautiful shit got real in a way that maybe it doesn't get real in other places um but but it was still a very beautiful place and so I love those places I think the I think when you think about like the idea of the Mexican Beverly Hills compared to those places I think what you what you, what you really want to think about is like the it becomes this thing where like because Downey has value to other to outside groups it gets better resources and it winds up becoming you know a, a better place for many reasons in these other towns but I, I think again that's just like that's a value that we're assigning like I don't think Boyle I don't think any neighborhood that's not called Mexican Beverly Hills is worse or better than Downey. But I think it's Downey's an important thing, an important outlier to recognize because of the way people see us. And mm-hmm. so when they start assigning value to like next time, if like if you know in, in like 20 years, LA's gonna be like 70% Latino, you know? Yeah. And we're gonna be living in the Beverly Hills, right? Like my my nieces and nephews who are gonna go to like, you know, Ivy League college because of the opportunities they've gotten and their understanding of money and all this thing and then they're going to wind up hopefully possibly living in places like Beverly Hills and Brownwood and stuff like that is I don't want that property value to drop because people don't understand that Latinos don't automatically equal a lower value that people of color don't automatically mean there goes the neighborhood you know Mm. And so that's why I think the story of Downey is an important story to tell. Not only because it it was very personal for me to like, you know, grow past my own idea of who we were as, you know, and who can tell me what I am, but also because I think there's so many stories that again, show a vision of Latinidad in, in, in the US that is like poverty, it is hard. It is like, you know, people that fight, it's people like hard, just just a lot of like gangster shit. And so I think that that's why it's important. So when I do think about East LA, Boyle Heights, Southeast LA, like, I don't wanna think about what it means economically, but this is America, right? So like, we have to play by the rules, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that that pulls at a lot of layers and that encourages us to look at a little bit past the values as we see it today um, to, to be like, n- not what is what is the market value of this right now, but what does it mean to you? And and certainly, if anything, Downing does seem to point at that. It, it, it points at the importance of ownership, right? Hence the home ownership, hence the ownership of business, but also what happens when a group of people who share a similar ethnic background um, assign value, have have resources, assign value to the exact same, as you said, the exact same culture, the exact same food, the exact same kind of like potential that you would have in any other neighborhood. Um, and and what it sounds like you get in Downey is 
is wealth. Um, so, so that's, that's certainly super interesting to see and really do appreciate you sharing your, your personal story because it takes a lot of processing, right? I mean, I can only imagine you're, you're a child of immigrants, as you said, you, you had your, you, you consistently had to change the way that you see life, that you assess the reality around you. Um, and to share that, I think is, is super important. Thank you. Thank you. I do appreciate that. Um, yeah, man, I think, I think it's for a lot of us to think that, I think the great thing about sharing your own personal story is that what you realize is that even in your unique, your, in your uniqueness, you wind up finding other people who relate to that. 